Thank you for choosing to listen to Reverend Dr. David Entry on Hiram the Skillful Builder. Follow us as we hear on how King Solomon used over 150,000 men to build God's temple, yet none were mentioned except Hiram of Tyre, a skillful craftsman. As you listen, be stirred up to use your skill to build for God. Are you ready for God's word? Are you really, really ready for what's coming? My message title is simple. It is um, Hiram the Builder. (laughs) It's a skillful builder. Hiram the Skillful Builder. Hey! Hey! Magadaya Shegetes. What many Christians have not realized is how important building, God's building is to him. Because God is a builder. Bible says in Hebrews that, I think Hebrews chapter 4, that no, it can't be chapter 4, chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 from verse 5, 3, 4, 5, 6, somewhere it says that every house is built by somebody, but God is the one who builds all. So for every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is God. God is a builder. And in the book of Psalms, it says that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Build it. So God is a builder. And Jesus Christ asked his disciples, this is very interesting. I don't want you to miss any of these things because it will help you. Jesus Christ asked his disciples, what do men say, who do men say I am? And the disciples in Matthew chapter 16 from verse 13, some says you are Elijah, some said you are a prophet, some said you are John the Baptist, some said you are Jeremiah. And then he went on to ask, but who do you say I am? Watch the progression. Who do you say I am? And they said, Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then Jesus said to him that blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. So who do men say I am? Who do you say I am? You are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. And then Jesus said, wow. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Ah, he has not told them he came to build. But he was looking for the reason and the foundation. What he was trying to get them to know the premise on which he's going to build. The platform, the foundation. He says that upon this rock, I'll build my church. Oh, there and then he revealed to them that he actually came to build. He's, he's actually coming to build. Because David wanted to build God a house and God told David that you cannot build because your hands are full of blood. And they said, however, a son from your loins will build it. So God told David that a son. But when he said a son, Solomon was his son, but he meant David. He meant, sorry, Jesus, the Messiah. And so every Jewish rabbi, and every Jewish aspect knew that the son of David was going to be the builder of God's house, not just the temple of Solomon. And so when um, um, uh, Stephen was giving his account 
of the entire move of God amongst the people of God, he said it very clearly in Acts chapter 7, I think somewhere from verse 45, 46, 47, he said that the, God said that David's son would build a temple. Solomon built the temple and then Stephen said, however, but Solomon built the temple and then he said, however, the most high does not dwell in temples made by hands. So when he said, uh, a temple will be built by David's son. He didn't mean that there's a normal temple because, watch this, uh, thank you, Jesus. It, it entered David's heart to build him a house. I think the verse 43, 46, 47, somewhere. It enters his, his heart that he said he wanted to build God a house, the most high God, a house. And God said, no, you can't build me a house. He wasn't, David was not talking about temple. But the temple was the physical representation of God's house, which Solomon built. So when David was at the end of his reign, his years, he called his son Solomon, 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 22. He called, sorry, chapter, 1 Chronicles, I'm sorry, pardon me, 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 6. 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 6. He called his son Solomon, and the Bible said, and David called his son Solomon and charged him. Say, charge him. Charge him. Oh, I can't hear you. Charge him. Say like you're charging somebody. Charge him. And charge him. What did he charge him? I can't hear you. Louder. So he charged him to build the house of God. And then the next verse, as for me, it was in my mind to build, it, build a house for God. But God said, no, a son will build it. So watch this. What we are talking about is not a temple. Even though the temple is a physical representation of the house, we are talking about a house. That is what Jacob saw in Genesis chapter 28 in his dream. When he woke up, he said, this is not verse, verse, verse 16. Genesis chapter 28, verse 16. He said, Jacob woke up in dream. He said, God was here and I did not know. And he was afraid. And then verse 17 says that he said, this is the, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this? This is none other than the, the what? I can't hear you. The house of God. So God has always had a house in mind. I want you to understand this very carefully. So when Jesus showed up, Jesus is the builder of the house of God. So when he's, he asked the disciples, who do men say I am? Who do you say? Peter said you are the Messiah. He said, upon this revelation, upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus is the builder of the house of God. He's the builder of the church. The church is the same as the, so you can write mathematical equation, church equals to house of God. House of God equals to church. According to 1 Timothy chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 15, he said, I'm writing these things to you so you know how to comport yourself in the house of God. But I'm, I, I delay and write, the, write so that you may know how you ought to do what? Conduct yourself where? In the house of God. Where? In the house of God. Where is the house of God? Which is the church. He was writing to living saints, living human beings, and he said that you guys must know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. So we are in the house of God. The church is the house of God. So when David said, I'll build God a house, David, God, he got God's attention because God is a builder. And the re watch this, watch this, watch this. <sighs> this is a good one. This is a good one. Jesus, the Messiah, is not only a redeemer. He is not a, but the builder. 
Because from eternity, God has, the reason why God created man was because he wanted a house. Why didn't he have a house? No, on earth. He wanted a place where he can dwell. But he can't dwell in physical things. He has to dwell in things that have been made like him. So God created man like him in his image that man can contain him and God amongst men. So Revelation, anyway, Genesis starts with the way things began. Revelation ends with the way things eventually. So if you look at Genesis and then you can, how Genesis began, tells you the plan and then you can Revelation. In between were issues that, you know, so Revelation will tell you the ultimate plan of God. And Revelation says, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, it says, And then I saw the new heavens and the new earth coming out from God. And then I saw the new Jerusalem, in verse 3. Look at verse 3. And then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of, of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. So now, do you know how things are going to end? Like, like, say, God is going to come. Sorry. So, you see, where I'm, I'm standing in the middle of the congregation. I'm standing right in the middle of the congregation. Usually, preachers stand at the um, stage, at the altar, or at the stage or platform. But I'm standing in the middle of the congregation. I'm looking forward to the day where we will come to church and I'll be sitting somewhere here and be preaching from here. That would be cool, isn't it? Now, that's God's plan for heaven. That he will not govern and reign with us and uh, relate with us from a transcendent position, but from an imminent position within us. So when Jesus came on earth, he says his name is Emmanuel. What does that mean? God is there. So God's desire has always been to be amongst us. So when I, you see, um, when I, if I should find a city here and sit down, you be one. Someone comes and says, "Where is the pastor?" Where's the preacher? I can't find where. Why? Because he's amongst the congregation. That's what's going to happen in Revelation. God said he himself is going to be amongst us forever. So that tells you, thank you, that tells you the actual intention and the plan of God in creation. Watch that. I'm about to say something very interesting. The purpose and the plan of God in creation is higher than the purpose of the plan of God in redemption. I'll say it again. What is Redemption. How many of you have had recovery before? Your car broke down. Those of you who drive cars and then the type gets flat, like mine some time ago. Okay, or maybe MOT issue cars. You know what I'm talking about. When your car breaks down, you have ARC or AA recovery guys come. For what? Just to help you, redeem you, to get, put you back, back on the road. If they come and they do everything, and most of the time they say we can tow you to the nearest garage because we can't help you. If the car is written up, then they, you have to find, they'll just get you somewhere. But most of the time they are supposed to help you get back on the road. Redemption is like a recovery program. God created us for a purpose. But sin came in and destroyed and, and tried to destroy and mar it. And so Christ had to come to die by his blood. That's why he shed the blood. The blood is for redemption. It's for, not for any other thing. The blood is not for any other thing. It's just for redemption. Because without the shedding of blood, Hebrews 9.22, uh, uh, without the shedding of blood, there cannot be remission of sin. So there definitely needs to be the shedding of blood for sins to be remitted. So when Christ came, he died to shed his blood so that our sins will be history. And now, so what does that mean? Watch this, watch this. How many of you, you, your car got 
uh, you had a problem with your car some time ago. Someone drove into it and you told me it was off the road or something like that. You took it to the mechanics and later it was back on the road. Like what happened to me some time ago. Someone, a motorbiker just drove straight into my car and everything got spot in front and my car went into the garage. Insurance gave me a, a nicer, uh, not a nicer one, but I managed to get it. It's something like that. So, so, and, and so they gave me a, a, a car and then later on, they called, my car is ready, so I have to return the car. I didn't want to return it, but they said, if you have your... <laughs> Because they gave me an S-class. Oh, I didn't want to return it. <laughs> so, but I returned it and went for my car. You didn't see anything wrong. Everything was looking smooth. Why? Because it has been redeemed. Now, it wasn't redeemed so that I put it in the showroom. It was redeemed now, so I can use it for the purpose why I bought it. The reason why I bought it, and it, it, the reason why I bought how I was using it before in God's port. So redemption, you see, the reason why you bought the car is more important than the reason why you call AA. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's what I'm trying to say. So AA is actually supposed to help you now keep on track with the reason why you bought the car. Without AA, the original purpose will be in question. Without redemption, the purpose of creation will be in question. So redemption was meant to, is meant to bring us back. So Christ the Savior, the Messiah is not only a redeemer, but he is a builder. And so, hey, building God's house is more important than just being redeemed. You didn't get it. So why is it that you are redeemed and you think that's the ultimate? You are in church. I'm waiting to go to heaven. You're in church. Come on. Buckle down. Start building. <laughs> is someone getting what I'm saying? It's, it's very important. And so, but if we are supposed to build the house, we said clearly that, um, that the builder is God. Christ is the builder. So what am I supposed to do? I want to show you Solomon because <sighs> Solomon was a type of Christ. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 41, or I think 42 rather. Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 42. Matthew 12. Can we, this is, if the Bible, if you, you have your own Bible, you find out that this is red lettered. This what we're about to read. In your Bible, if you have Jesus' words in red, this will be in red. Because this is direct speech from Jesus. Does that make sense? Yes. Hello. Hi. All right. Let's all read it out. Are you ready to read it out loud together? Yes. Let's go. Generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. Jesus calls himself a greater than Solomon. So he puts himself... In the class of Solomon, like in the, in the rating or in the line of Solomon, he said that when it comes to the builder of the temple, a greater one is here. Because one unique thing about Solomon, you have to know, is not the wise things he said. When it comes to God's plan, Solomon's uniqueness was not about his wealth, not just his wisdom, but his building of the temple. So when Stephen was giving account of the Old Testament... He didn't say Solomon was wealthy. 
He didn't say Solomon had many wives. He did not say Solomon wrote a lot of psalms or a lot of songs of Solomon or a lot of proverbs. He said Solomon built the house. So Solomon's significance had everything to do with the temple he built more than the wisdom he had. So when Jesus said a greater than Solomon is here, his point of reference was not necessarily to wisdom, even though if Solomon was wife, he was, he was then wiser. If Solomon was wealthy, he was wealthier. So it wasn't in reference to Solomon in wisdom and wealth, but it was in reference to Solomon in the building of God's house. Let me show you something. The scripture I quoted earlier, in, in, earlier on in First uh, Chronicles chapter 22, verse 6, David charged Solomon and said, he didn't say make money. He didn't say marry many. This is profound. He said, Solomon, <laughs> charged him to build the house of the Lord. Because... In destiny and history, that is what you will be remembered for. In God's timeline, some people are also appearing. Some people are co-starring. Some people are featuring. Others didn't even matter at all. You saw them pass in the background somewhere. God gives attention to key players. So long as God is concerned, I'll show you who the key players are. So, Solomon, those of you who were in church during the week, I think Wednesday, I couldn't wait for Thursday. So Wednesday, I spoke about pillars. Pillars. And I said that when Jacob, in Genesis chapter 28, Verse 18, when he realized the place, he said, this is none other, verse 17, he said, this is none other but the house of God. Bible says that. Then the stone he had used as a pillow. Verse 12 said he took a stone of the place called the last. He used as a pillow. But in verse 18, he said, the stone he has used as a pillow. Verse 17 said, he said, this is none other but the house of God. So, watch this, watch this. He said, this is none other but the house of God. He came to the place, he slept. And he, he had a dream. That's why you don't, don't easily underestimate dreams. Because sometimes you can have encounters through dreams. Sometimes God can speak to you through dreams. Joseph was spoken to through dream. Joseph, the, the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus, the God, God spoke to him through dreams. Pharaoh, God spoke to him. So he had a dream. That was the first dream in the Bible anyway. He had a dream, Genesis chapter 28, verse 12, 13, and 14, particularly 12 and 13. He had a dream. And then when he woke up in the dream, Bible says, that, watch this, verse 17, he said, <laughs> he was afraid. He said, this is no, none other but the house of God. And do you know what he did? The stone, which he used as a pillar, he said, this stone, about, if it's the house of God, why do you have to turn it turn the stone into a pillar because the house of God, the key thing about the house of God is a pillar. There must be a pillar. There must be a pillar. Someone said there must be a pillar. The, the first house of God revealed in scripture was made by one pillar. Jacob. The pillar is enough. If we can have the pillar, it's enough. It's in progression. So he turned it into a pillar. Then Solomon came. He was coming to build the house of God. 
And you know what? Solomon built two pillars in front. So when you saw the temple in Genesis, sorry, in um, First Kings chapter 7, verse 14, verse 15 and 21, particularly, First Kings chapter 7, verse 15, Said, and he cast two pillars of bronze, each on uh, each each one eight cub- cubits height, and a line of twelve cubits measures. Uh, uh, verse, verse sixteen, verse sixteen. Then he made two. All right, let's go to the verse twenty-one. Let me show you something. I want to show you something there. And then he set up the pillars by the vestibules of the temple. He set the pillars on the right hand, called uh, the pillar. He named the sorry. He set the pillar on the right hand and called it, gave it the names. But I think verse 13, somewhere there, he put the pillars in front, two pillars. These are, there are other pillars in the building. But there, these were two gigantic, prominent pillars. So when you saw the house, it was like a billboard. That was the advertisement for the building. The two pillars were saying that this is the house of God. It was so prominent, those pillars were significant and they reflected something eternal about God's house. So God's house, I thought that God's house is always built with pillars. So Jacob had only one pillar. And then the thing was progressing. Then Solomon came and built the temple and had how many pillars? Two pillars. And then in the New Testament, I was teaching this. According to Galatians chapter 2 verse 9, Bible says that Paul, Paul calls himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse, verse 10 that me, a master builder. Paul calls himself a master builder. He was building with Christ. He then, in Galatians 2 9, Galatians 2 9, he was pointing to Sepha, James, Cephas, and John, John, who seemed to be pillars. So he was saying that Peter, John, and James, these are, were pillars. How many pillars? Three. Three. So Je- uh, Jacob had one, Solomon had two, and um, the New Testament church had three. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, he said, Jesus said, he who overcomes. Jesus said, he says that he who overcomes, I will make him what? A pillar in the temple of my God. So Jesus is actually looking for pillars. Because, watch this, it is not enough to be a stone in God's house. Because Peter said, we are living stones. God only builds with stones, not bricks. I keep saying this. Let's all say, God only builds with stones. Are you following me? I'm, yes, I'm, I'm saying to you. Are you following? Is everybody here with me? Yes. God only builds with stones. He doesn't build with bricks. Bricks are man-made. Stones are natural. All right? So Bible says that when God, Jesus saw Peter coming to him in John chapter 1 verse 42, he said, you are, you are Cephas for you are a stone. So he, he gave him the name. He said, and we brought him to Jesus. Now Jesus looked at him. He said, you are Simon, uh, uh, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is by a stone. And so it was Peter who, when he was writing his epistles, he said that we are living stones. So because he understands the key significance of stone. Now watch this. Do you remember what Jacob used as his pillar, his pillow? Stone. And that stone, he turned it into a pillar. So it is not enough to be a stone in the building of God. You got to be a pillar. But um, my t- the title of my message is, as I told you, Hiram, the skillful builder. I didn't want it to look too long, but actually it's the skillful builder of the pillar, of the pillars. Watch this. This is interesting. Who built the temple in the days of Solomon? Who built it? Who was the builder? No. Who was the builder? 
It's, what's, what's it called? The Temple of Solomon. So who built it? Solomon, Solomon is the builder. He, God said, David, you will not build. Your son will build. So Solomon is the builder. But I want you to know that he wasn't the one who was doing the building. He, he used people to build. He used over 150,000 men. A lot of them. A lot of them. In Second, Second, Second Chronicles chapter 2, I think verse 2 and 3, or 1, 2, 3, he talks about, he used thousands of men. Thousands. Solomon selected 70,000 men to bear burdens, 80,000 to quarry stones in the mountains, and 350,000 people were building. But do you know what's very interesting, sir? Doctor, what I find interesting is that Solomon, the people who built the temple, there's nobody whose name was mentioned. No one. No one except one person. And the one person I believe God wants us to be like him. Second Chronicles chapter 2. Can you please jump to verse 13? Look at this. Now, I have sent a skillful man endowed with understanding. Huram, my master craftsman. Now, it's Huram, my master craftsman. When you read some of the translations, the, the name is H-I-R-U-M. We'll come back to this. Are you ready for this? Can we just flip back to go to... Um, First Kings chapter 14, chapter 7. First Kings chapter 7. First Kings chapter 7. First Kings chapter 7, verse 13. Did you see that guy? Those of you who are reading from your own Bibles, I don't know if any of you have the rendition of H.I. Hiram sometimes there. Hiram is the same, Huram. Okay, but you'll find out very soon about this gentleman. So the king, so King James, yeah, I prefer the King James. Yeah. The, king, uh, the king Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of, out of where? Tyre. Tyre, say Tyre. I don't mean car tie or bow tie. <laughs> Tyre is the name of a place, a country, a territory called Tyre. Why this guy? We have to know a little bit more about him then. Because he's the only one. All right, go to verse 14. I will show you something. He was a widow's son in the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a... And he was filled with wisdom and understanding and cunning, uh, cunning to work all works of, in brass. And he came, he came to the king Solomon and brought all, uh, sorry, and wrought all his work. Look, look at verse 15. See, verse 15. For he cast two pillars of bread. Ah, so the pillars Solomon built, the one who built the pillars is Hiram. He was the only one whose name was mentioned. And guess what? This is interesting. Are you ready for this? It's not that his, his name was just mentioned. His father and his mother. They spoke about his father and his mother. Say Hiram. Hiram. Say Hiram. Hiram. Where, does he, where did he come from? Tyre. Verse 13. Where did Hiram come from? Tyre. Tyre. Do you want to know about Tyre? Tyre, according to Ezekiel chapter 28. 
Verse, I think we should take the verse three, four, five. Tyre didn't have a good name. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. That's talking about the king of Tyre. Okay, there's God talking to him. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. The next verse. With thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten the riches and hast gotten gold and silver uh, into thy treasures. Verse, by, by thy great wisdom and by thy, uh, thy, thy traffic, by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches and thy heart is lifted and, and because of thy riches. That's, that verse. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God. Now, when you study very carefully, the day, those of you were around when I was teaching on Lucifer, God in the Bible addresses the king of Tyre. So look at verse 12, I think verse, verse 11. Let's look at verse 11. Let me show you something. Verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, what's the next verse? Son of man, Take up a lamentation upon the king of who? Tyros. The same, Tyre. Okay. King of Tyros. And say unto him, That's here the Lord. Thou, uh, thou uh, sealeth up the psalm, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, this is about to describe Lucifer. Go to the next verse. See. Thou hast been in the Eden of God. Then he started talking about Lucifer. So Lucifer was, a uh, king of Tyre was like a reflection of Lucifer. And so Tyre is not a good place. But Tyre was good with skill, inventions. In fact, Pastor was telling me recently, Doug, Bishop Doug, our father, said something. He said that human crafts, most of human, extreme human craftiness, when I say being craft, that crafts, craftsmanship, actually craftsmanship, most of it, most of it are demonic inspired. Some of, most of those craftsmen have inspiration from the underworld. Because Lucifer was crafted with all these abilities and ingenuity. Tyre was an epitome of satanic domination and control. And they had skill. Now, Hiram. Let's look at Hiram's background. First Chronicles, so Second Chronicles chapter 2 verse 13. Are you learning something? Yes. yes. That's why you have to be careful when you are enjoying some things in the name of fashion and art. It's just to make way into your spirit. Something is, you are downloading something. Some of the music we have been listening to, some of the music you have been listening to, look at the one behind it. Look at the one behind it, not the enjoyment you are getting. The one behind it, it should tell you what you are downloading to your system. Who you follow, you catch their spirit. Hard following will expose you to the spirit of the people you are following. Tyre was gifted with skillful. That's why they became so powerful. Just like our country and America and some other nations. The gifts, the head, the trainings, the what we can do. Look at the iPad. Look at the iPhone. Look at now, inventions are coming and so many things. Some of you are here, but you can watch on your phone what's going on at, of, at the office. We are going somewhere. Let me finish this. Thing. I need you to get something. So, 
In first, Second Chronicles chapter two, verse thirteen, it tells. Listen to what it says. It says that, and now I have sent a cunning man. Say a cunning man, endued with understanding of Huram, my fathers. I'm said that. No, so Huram, the king actually was also called Huram. So when you read King James, I think is it the King James? No, one other version I was reading. It uses Huram Amin. Has someone got a translation that says something like that? Huram Amin. But that's it's, it's Huram Abi Abi. Yeah, Huram even Huram Abi, my trusted counselor. Okay, so the one talking is called Huram, and he has sent Huram Abi. So the king of Tyre sent Huram, which is Hiram to go to Solomon to help Solomon to build the temple. And so Hiram goes there, and let's see what he says, King James again, let's see what he says, verse 14. See, verse 14, this is serious. Watch this. What does it say? I can't hear, just that line, the first line, let's go. Who is Hiram? Oh, daughter of Dan. Dan is one of the tribes of Israel. So her mother comes from Dan. And do you know what Dan signifies? According to the prophecy Jacob gave, Jacob, their father, he said, Dan, you are like a serpent. You bite the heel of horses, and their horse riders fall. It's it's a sin. Some of you, your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend is like a Danite. They make you fall from the horse. <laughs> Some of you, your friend, your best friend is like a Danite. It does not they are anytime you go close to them, you miss church. Yes, yes, yes. You don't read your Bible. You end up in some something. Yes, that's verse 14. Verse 19 says, Dan shall be a serpent by the way. And other in the path that bited the horse hill so that the, his rider will fall. And when you study, fall backwards, when you study, watch this, because of my time, when you study the Bible very carefully, you will find out that when there's a man called Jeroboam, he wanted, he created, God said, all of you should worship in Jerusalem. He said, you don't have to travel there. Don't go to Shiloh. Come. So he created false, whatever. And the territory he created, it's one of the territories, only two territories, and according to First Kings chapter 12, verse 26 to 31, one of the territories is in Dan. Because they are idol, they are place of sin, idolatry. So, so, Ty, uh, 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 Hiram's mother, he was born of a territory of sin. Does that make sense? When you, David said in Psalm fifty-one, verse five, that in sin did my mother conceive me. That night. Then how about the father? Back to verse, uh, chapter um, second. Uh, and his father was a man of Tyre. When you talk about a man of Tyre, uh, that's it. Skillful in the work of God. That, that was his father, not he himself. So where he learned his skill from was his father. A tyrant man. His mother was a Danite. His father was a tyrant man. That, tyrants are like sinful, skillful but sinful. Skillful but ungodly. Skillful, who are Danites? Skillful but sinful. 
When you hang around a Danite and remain, uh, sorry, uh, Tyrant, and you remain around Tyrant, you can't worship God. Because they will use their skill to keep you away from God. So for you to be able to follow God, as for a Tyrant, he must die. Tyrant must die for you to serve God. Wait, wait, wait. Let's go to the same, the same account in 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 13 again. Let's see a little bit about Hiram. And King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of where? Tyre. Where does his father come from? Where does his mother come from? There's something strange about Hiram. His mother comes from, his father comes from Tyre, his mother comes from Dan, but he himself ended up becoming the tribe of Naphtali. Should have been in the tribe of Dan, by the tribe of Naphtali. The tribe of Naphtali, uh, uh, I almost said Naphtali. Naphtali, the tribe of Naphtali is the tribe of resurrection. So when Jacob was blessing them in um, uh, Genesis chapter 49, verse 21, Genesis 41, 21, he spoke about the, uh, Naphtali is a hind let loose. He giveth godly words. You know what they asked about? They said, where does this man get these godly words from, wonderful, gracious words from? <laughs> Naphtali is, do you remember, what, do you remember this? Hind's feet. He, uh, Habakkuk. He said he makes my feet. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. He makes my feet like a hind's feet, so I walk in my high places. The Lord is my strength and uh, uh, my feet like the hind's feet, and I will walk in my upon, uh, uh, and make me walk upon my high places. Now, Naphtali is a reflection of resurrection. Because he said like a hind let loose and be resurrected. So now, you know what Tai stands for? What does it stand for? Sin or evil or Satan? Okay. What does Dan stand for? That's sin. So, so watch this. Sin, that makes you trip. Tyre is Satan, idolatry, evil, and skillful. All right? And then now Naphtali represents resurrection. Does that make sense? Now let's go to chapter 1 Kings again. Chapter 7, verse 14. He was, hey, let's read it, let's read it. Oh, come on, is everybody here with me? All right, let's go. He was of the tribe of Naphtali. But guess what? By the time he was becoming, he was coming to Solomon, he was a widow's son. What does that mean? Where was his father? His dad had to die. To go, but his mother didn't have to die. Paul said, "Hey, Paul said in Galatians chapter two verse twenty, he says that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So you, you something needs to die, but you will still be alive. Your mother will be alive, but that father—I'm not talking your natural father—that father, that thing, that that sin, that thing that produces sin." in your life must die by your human nature, your mother must still live because you can't separate yourself from your human nature. So Paul is still alive, but Satan doesn't have dominion over him like he used to have. Why? Because God needs you for the, bu- for the building of his house. But you cannot be useful to God until tyrant dies, the tyrant, your father, your ties to tyrant must die. 
but your, watch this, watch this, by your skills from Tyre is what God is going to use. What's the point here? Most of you haven't realized it hasn't dawned on you. Some of you, I know it, it has. <coughs> Moses was trained. Let's all say Moses was trained. Oh, say it again. Moses was trained and he was skillful. According to um, um, Acts chapter 7, verse 22, Moses was skillful in all the wisdom of Egypt. He was, he was learned and, and so he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in Western deed. Because of that, he went to use it. Hey, I'm going to be the deliverer. <laughs> People, we are going to be delivered. Now that I'm 40 years, I'm a man enough. I, I can use my skills to help you guys to do God's work. God said, excuse me, I, something needs to die first. I will need your skill, your eloquence, your ability, but something. That's why God appeared to you in the burning bush. The fire was burning, the bush was not consumed. What is enigmatic or fascinating about the burning bush is not the fire, but it's the unconsumed bush. Something is on fire, but it's still the same way it is. God was trying to tell him that, listen, I have my own resources. I just want a container I'll burn from, but I will not consume the container. So Moses, don't come and use all you think that you, you, you are so intelligent. That's what you used to do my work. No, I'm not going to depend on your intelligence. You have to depend on my flow. So now, watch this. Moses had the skill, but God said, I don't need that ties in Egypt. You are at the palace. You think you are going to use the palatial influence to set my people free? No. So he said, come out of the palace. And it took another 40 years for God to unwind him. He wasn't the only one. You're about to hear about this man, amazing man. His name, according to Acts chapter 22, verse 3, he's called Paul. Paul was trained by a great man, highly respected by the Jews, called Gamaliel. Now, if you are, it's like you have been to Oxford. Was, was, was the Cambridge, Oxford, Yale of those times necessary for God's work? What you don't know is that, yes. Get where I'm going. Get where I'm going. What am I trying to say? Paul had skill, was well-trained, but God had to cause him to lose confidence in his well-training, and then God used... He wrote 14 books of the New Testament. It must be a man well-trained. Yeah. 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 Peter walked with Jesus. He talked like Jesus, but he could write only two and a half books or so. Because his, the skill required to build the pillar was not there. Mm, right. uh, Why do you think that God, God helped you to become a master's degree holder, PhD degree holder? You think to get earn more money? You need the skill. I'm about to say something. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. Come to church with your degree, but don't come with your title. God needs that degree. God needs that skill. God needs that ability for the building of his house. He needs it. That 
That gentleman, I remember when he came to church the early days, they asked him, what do you do? He said, oh, I'm into IT. They asked him, will you join the IT department? He said, no, 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 no. Every day is IT, IT, IT. Monday, IT. Tuesday, IT. Wednesday, IT. Thursday, IT. Uh, Friday, IT. And sometimes, Saturdays, I go to the office, IT, IT, IT. Sundays is the only day I don't do IT. And I'm coming to church too. You want me to do IT? Please, no IT. <laughs> there it is. And thank God for the other brothers who are like uh, uh, guides. They said, hey. You need that skill to do God's work. So actually, God needs it more than your boss. If you think your boss deserves your skills, I came to submit to you. You became born again so that your skills can be used for God's work. The only thing is, the only thing is your tyrant father because you were so much worldly when you were getting all this, the worldliness around it must go. Your human nature, the night mother, it's okay. But you have to be someone in the resurrection life. Yes. Naphtali. You must be in the resurrection life so that God can use you to do what? Build the pillars. You must be, Hiram is a skillful pillar, a builder of the pillars. Now watch this. In Ephesians, he said to some, he gave apostles, uh, uh, to some he gave uh, prophets, to some he gave evangelists, to some he gave pastors and teachers. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, for the equipping, building the people of God. Now, God needs some skillful, talented, gifted people to be able to empower others in God's house. As I'm beginning to run up, you are so well trained, you are so well educated, but it doesn't have any bearing on God's house, yet you are born again. You are a finance director. You are this. You are that. You are a medical officer. You are Some of us, we are, we are also always proud of our career. But our career does not come anywhere near our worship. It's a problem. Tyrant still has you. God allowed you. So I have good news for those people who think I'm born again. You don't, don't have to worry too much about other things in life. Just live normal life. Hey, go to school. Get some skills. Upgrade your academic level. Some of us. Most, most major employers will not go for it. But you think God likes it like that. No. <laughs> hey! Oh, I say hey! <laughs> People are thinking now. People are thinking now. Possibly the reason why you keep looking for a job and you have not gotten into your career, there's a lady here called, she's here. Years ago, she finished, she, she graduated in finance. And she was working at the till, uh, somewhere like that, in Lewis, somewhere. Struggling, believing, go for a job. Go for interview upon interview. Go for interview upon interview. And I told her, I need you to, I believe that if you train in the area of finance, join the finance team. And she joined and started. I said, if you join, I believe a door will open for you in the area of your training. Is it true? And what happened? He joined the finance, she joined the finance team. Now she's flying yeah. in the area of career. Companies are poaching her. She's flying. Am I speaking the truth? God bless you, my darling. Now, listen. 
Maybe, maybe, uh, bless, rise your feet. Yes, 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 yes. This lady, her name, bless. She's been working with Barclays for 14 years, am I right? Oh, 13. 13 years. At the something, is it till or something? Oh, sorry. Um, is it till, or no, like counter and then, as, and then she became assistant manager. She was doing so well. And, but earlier when she joined the church, it didn't take long. I said, bless, join that department. She's one reliable. Some people, when you leave things in their hands, you always have to check if it's still. You actually need some CCTV to check if things are going. <laughs> like some of the, um, uh-huh. okay, <laughs> okay, I, I, I rest my case. The level of dedication sometimes late at night is now going home with a family and a husband. Regularly, she's so dedicated. God opened the door for her, got a, a better house. Her children got into good schools and all that. But so, as though that was not enough. Recently, she, you know where she works now? Even me, I tried to go and look for office there about, uh, <laughs> about uh, I think, eight years ago or so. We ran back quickly. Because we were searching, they said oh, there was a place available. But I think the one who was looking for, he saw the rent for a day. He thought it was the rent for a month. <laughs> <laughs> so we went. Canary Wolf. <laughs> she works on high with some. She, they, 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 she moved from where she is, Wolf Road. She moved. God opened the door. What she hasn't been trained for, they said, don't worry, we'll train you for it. We are, you are the person we want. And now she's on the high-rise building in the city. Big bankers she deals with, not um, uh, East Street uh, people. Her her portfolio has changed. (laughs) Minister, minister, is what I'm saying true? Are you enjoying that? Did you, did you ever think that that's where you're going to be working? Seriously. Your skill. Thank you. Please clap for me. Call my time. Your skill. Your skill. Oh, you are a DJ. <laughs> no, no. You are a DJ, but we can't feel your effect in God's work. Meanwhile, DJ is how you are earning money. We can't feel your effect in God's work. Social worker. If I were you, I'll always, every now and then, you don't have to be head, but every now and then, I think there's a new policy has come. Uh, I can suggest this to this person. Maybe we can try and do this this way. God, this is okay, but maybe if you do it this, it is better. If you do it this way, it's better. Looking for how your expertise can help. Are you getting what I'm saying? You, you are in the field of medicine. You have never offered and checked, oh, can I join the first aid team? Is there a fair, can I, jo- can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do nothing? You are coming to, oh, the word is good. <laughs> you are a stone, but God is looking for skillful builders of the pillar. Skillful builders of the pillar. Every field of endeavor and expertise you have, fair, First and foremost, you must find them. Even if you ask for, right, I do ceilings. My church, we don't need ceilings. Please, you come and let us see. And when you sit here, begin to look at the ceilings and see how maybe we can also create our own certain ceiling at a very low cost can, to get more light towards the stage. You, 
you, you are trained. You are trained in, uh, 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 I almost said aquanautics, aeronautics, water. And <laughs> um, aquatic <laughs> you say you are an engineer you claim you are a tailor you are a seamstress you claim that's what you do you claim you are trained with something you, she's a uh, whatever and have your own fashion business she joined the church, she said pastor I want to be part of the People who dress, people who, uh, who take care of the uniforms. Mm. Pastor, I really want to be part of it. So, And she actually joined, and with her skill, she has made such a significant difference. Where's the seamstress? Right to your feet. She's, she, she has, runs her own business, and she has her own label. When we started, when we started the host team and uniform team, she was one of the people drafted in. And from that time, she's been working, and most, some of the, the uniform the choir was wearing, the skirts, she sold all of them. You... You, please sit down. Excuse me. Tap somebody or slap somebody, depending on, and tell the person, God needs your skills. But pastor, I don't know how my skill, I don't know how my skill will work here because I'm a new newscaster. <laughs> You, you, you own a cleaning company. You own a cleaning company. Think about that. You own a clean, or you are a cleaning manager. Your field of expertise is cleaning. If, in fact, if you, if you pass here, everything will be clean. Listen, I'm taking care. You, 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 you are trying to make money through photography. And you know we take pictures in church. You are a suspect. Give your services to God. God is not desperate for money. He called you so that you can use your ability, your skills, your gifting, your, your degree to build his house, to build his house, to build his house, to build his house. Hiram, the skillful builder. Now that you are born again, it means that your, your ties, your ties, connection to tire is cut. So you're, 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 you don't come to church, you know, I, I'm a PhD holder. Please don't bring your title. Don't bring your title, but bring the skill. You can come with the title, but you'll be working under someone who doesn't have any level of higher education. Yeah, because your titles don't matter. It's your skill God needs. Tyrant must die. But your mother, the Danite, God said, don't worry, your nature. I know you've been struggling with some stuff still. You struggle with some lust issues. You struggle with some pride issues. You struggle with some anger issues. You struggle with some personal issues, human issues. We'll get through it because you don't have to kill your mother. You don't have to get rid of that because it's your nature. It's part of you. That's okay. we work through it. But certainly your mother must be a widow. Your father must die. God sent me to tell someone the reason why he gave you the grace to study, the reason why he gave you the grace to pass that course, to be able to do that course, is because for the building of his house. 
It's time for you to arise and build. Don't say, I'm doing build me a house. The only one whose name was mentioned in the building of the temple was Hiram. All the over 150,000 men and women, they were not men. The one with the skill. Who has, who's working in revelation, uh, resurrection. Who has cut his tide and building the pillars of God's house. That is the one God gave attention to. I believe heaven is about to give you attention. Amen. I said I believe heaven is about to give somebody an attention. In the name of Jesus. Did you receive something? Put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Please bow your head. I can't just close the service without praying for somebody. You are here. You want to say, Pastor, pray with me. I know Jesus has called me. I know this is my time. I don't want to miss the opportunity. You want to say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to start afresh with Jesus. I want to invite Jesus into my heart. I want to be born again. I want to live a new life. In Christ, I want to be redeemed. Satan doesn't have the upper hand over my life again. From today, I want to make a decision that I belong to Jesus. If that is your genuine prayer, I want to pray for you. You want to say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to make a decision for Jesus. Lift up your right hand high so I can see it and I'll pray with you. Would you lift up your two hands as a sign of surrender to Jesus and say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you, but I believe that you died on the cross to save me from my sins. From today, I make a commitment that I don't belong to Satan's camp anymore. I belong to Jesus. So I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I've made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Amen. Father, I thank you for our precious ones. Thank you for their lives. They heard your voice because they belong to you. You know your own and your own know you. They heard your voice. I pray with them that, Lord, strengthen them. Let them become pillars and pillar builders in your house. Let them become exploit makers in the church. I bless you. Anything that has been determined to frustrate you and harass you, I curse its influence. And I pray that you are free to serve God. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at charis.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter for updates on what God is doing here at Charis Ministries. Stay blessed.